You're listening to a podcast from Elam Christian Centre, Whangarei. As a church, we're committed to being a centre of hope to reach, serve and influence our community. For information about the church, service times or your potential next step, jump online at elamchristiancentre.org.nz. Enjoy today's message. Very cool. It's great to be able to share with you again this morning. And uh, what, what a great testimony of somebody walking into, uh, basically arriving in the country and finding home uh, immediately uh, through uh, the relationships of a small group. So uh, we're in the middle of a series called Church 1.0. We're looking at the, the operating system of the church. Come on, how many people's phone keeps wanting to update and give you a better version of the current version you've already got? Um, and when we're looking at the series, we're looking at the original church, the way Jesus set it up, what, how he told the people to, to behave and live. And uh, we're asking the question, is it still relevant for us today? Um, I truly believe the more complicated we make church, the further away we go from what God wanted us to do. I think the simpler we make it, the better for all of us. And when we get focused in doing what God's called us to do, I think there's some agreement in this place this morning. We don't want to be here at church seven days a week when we're actually out wanting to be out into the world making a difference. And so uh, that's, that's why we're so passionate about these things. And we're looking at a passage in Acts chapter 2, following on from when Jesus said to the, the disciples, go into um, Jerusalem, I want you to wait there. When you get there, Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to fill you with power. That power is going to enable you to be a witness uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And here we are in New Zealand, as far as you can go as, in terms of another nation from Jerusalem, here we are, living, breathing church. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And this is what Jesus did. He grabbed a, a, an ordinary bunch of people and said, I'm going to build my church with you. And uh, I'm so thankful this is Jesus' church. Just in case you didn't know that, this is his church, not mine, not any of ours. This is his church. He is building it, but he also says, come on the journey. Be a part of bringing people to me. And so that's why we're here today. And so I want to read this passage again, and we're going to look at whether or not Church 1.0 is still relevant for us today. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to, to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Would you pray with me as we look at this passage together? Father, we thank you. Thank you for your, your love for humanity. Thank you that you saw us in our desperate need that sin had devastated our relationship with you, and yet you sent Jesus. Jesus, you came, you, you lived a perfect life, you died on a cross, a, a death you didn't deserve, but we did, so that we could be right with your heavenly Father. So today, here we are, 2,000 years on, the journey continues, the story is still as strong as it ever has been before. The power of your Holy Spirit is moving in this place, and in many across the city and across this nation. God, thank you that we get to be a part of your church. And I pray that uh, as, we, as we look at small groups and fellowship today, that you would uh, really speak to us and really move our hearts so that we would see it the way you see it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the passage or the verse we've been focusing on is 
Uh, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so this morning, I want to look at the word fellowship. Now, fellowship is not a word that is uh, used so much in today's. So just finished our soccer training, and I go, guys, come on. Why don't we uh, head out for a bit of fellowship? Hmm. So, uh, you know, fellowship, it, it's not a word that we would use. You know, I, I'll go out and I'll hang out with my mates, and we'll have a good time, and uh, we might tell some cool stories, and I might come back, you know, feeling like, you know, my tank's full a little bit, you know, feeling pretty good, but it's not life transformation. My life isn't changed by just hanging out with a bunch of friends. There's something about fellowship that is significant and, and is uniquely different to what we would understand friendship to be. That's what we want to explore today. We want to go in a little bit deeper and look at what it means to, to live a life of fellowship. Uh, many, many books and movies tell the story of utopia. You know, utopia, this perfect place where everybody's perfect, every relationship is perfect, there's no problems, and when you arrive there, life is perfect, right? Some of you, maybe parents, you experienced that utopian moment last week when your kids went back to school, finally, after the school holidays. Yeah, I got to come, woo! <laughs> but the reality is, there is no such place as utopia. Not until we get to experience the reality of heaven, right? Here on earth, we have imperfect people, myself included. Anyone else imperfect here? I'm sure there's a few people here that don't have it all together. We live in an imperfect world. And so therefore, relationships are difficult. Could anyone agree that relationships are a challenge? That we don't always get it right. Um, I do my best, I, but I upset people. Sometimes I hurt people. I don't always say the right thing. Give me 30 minutes on a Sunday, I can guarantee I'll say at least a few things that are wrong and upset or offend somebody. And, and, and I don't start the day thinking, wake up going, who can I just create the worst day for by just getting in on their life? I don't think any of us intend to live our lives that way, but the reality is we do hurt people just by simply living life. So here's my thought. Um, if I don't want to hurt anyone, I don't want any bad relationships. I'll just become a hermit. I'll just go hide away. No one will ever see me again. And everybody will be happy. But that's not right either. And that's not God's intention or His heart. God made us for relationship. He made us to be in relationship first and foremost with Him. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength was the command we were given. The second was like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Which means that if we, if we want to live the way God wanted us to live, it's in relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but if you were to look at the different seasons of your life, the, the best moments in your life and the worst moments in your life, I think a, a good portion of those moments would be tied up in, oh, I just remember that moment, it was such a cool moment, or there was that really difficult time in my life, chances are relationships were core, the foundation of what was going well or what wasn't going well. As one CEO said, leading this company would be easy if I didn't have to deal with all these people. We're people. We interact with people. And I'd say no matter what you do, it doesn't matter where you find yourself in life, it doesn't matter your position, the way we work with people, the way we deal with people is priority one on our list, or it should be. So how do we go from just friendship and relationship to this deeper sense called fellowship. 
in Acts chapter 2 and 4, there's something quite unique about this gathering of Christians. And there's a word that's introduced uh, in, in the Greek that says, that's called koinonia. Koinonia. Koinonia refers to communion or fellowship. And we'll pick this up again next week a little bit more. Communion or fellowship. Joint participation. The share which one has in anything. A gift jointly contributed. A collection, a contribution. It identifies the idealized state of fellowship and unity that should exist within the Christian church, the body of Christ. Koinonia. Koinonia is what made it different to just plain relationship. Their koinonia, their, their fellowship, the community was like nothing the world had ever seen before. And it wasn't just people being nice to each other because, let's be honest, we can tolerate somebody for a season, can't we? Yeah, we, 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 can, we can just be nice to them so that they'll go away. Just me has done that. I'm sure we've all done that. You've probably told me. Just, no, it's, yeah. But, you know, we do that. We do that sometimes. We, we, tolerate, we tolerate each other, being nice to each other. But real, true, authentic relationship and community is a, a, a deciding that we will walk in relationship regardless of whether the person is frustrating us, whether, whether we even get on with them. There's a commitment to say, we will do life together. A commitment to honesty and truth that actually, uh, when you see it in, in, in evidence in this passage, you'll, you'll notice that two verses sit side by side that I think are the strangest two verses that sit, sit together in the Bible. No one else dared join them, it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 13. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So, Everybody avoided them, right? Well, actually, verse 14, Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So no one dared join them, but people were added to their number. It doesn't make any sense, or, or, or does it? Or does it actually make a lot of sense? The fact that when people looked in on the community of believers that had been filled with the Holy Spirit, when they looked at them, they said there's something about this group of people that I really love, but I'm terrified to join. Why were they terrified to join? Maybe you're like me, because it was real. There's no hiding. There's no hiding from this community. There's no hiding from these relationships exposed for the world to see. There's no hiding behind lies and excuses or hiding behind a screen. This is real, true, authentic community. And I'd say anybody who's walked into this community and in, in recent weeks or months, the, the, the commitment to being real all of a sudden just gets pushed on you. Not, 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 not by, not by any, anybody trying to push it on you, but just the community that God wants, the koinonia, the fellowship, the relationship. It means I've got to go, I've got to open up myself a little bit. I've got to be real with a bunch of people. And when I do, that's when breakthrough comes. When we actually are real with each other, life change takes place. How is this koinonia, this fellowship achieved? Because I don't know about you, but on my own, if I'm left to my own devices, I can be selfish. I can think about myself. I, I, I cannot be focused on others, and, and, and that's by default. So, so what, is, what is the key ingredient? Well, when the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, His power, His love, His voice in our hearts, that is what 
brings about this koinonia. Allow them to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. They met together. They began to share everything they had with all those around them. All these things, these four things we're studying, they could just be religious activities. Turning up to church, attending a small group, breaking of bread, praying. They they can all be religious activities that, that actually achieve nothing. But when Holy Spirit comes upon us and we receive power, it becomes living and breathing and real and authentic. Holy Spirit inspired small groups are what we're all about here at Elam. And here's why. Here's a few thoughts. Number one is small groups are where we find safety. Small groups are where we find safety. On the African plains, a common occurrence every year is the migration of the wildebeest. They they travel in tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions, travel across these plains in search of water and food. And they they travel together. They they, endure the the, the treacherous terrain and the the, the predators that want to get a cheap and easy meal. And what happens is, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the documentaries, but you see these pride, the pride of lions sitting there, like meters away from the, these thousands of Happy Meals going past them. <laughs> but they don't take one. They don't line up. What, what are they doing? One to pull away, waiting for one to get away, to be exposed. One to f- pull away from the pack. When that happens... They say it's lunchtime. And I believe that's true in our relationships. I believe when we pull ourselves away, you know, we can actually attend church on a Sunday, but actually not even connect with anybody. It's quite possible there's even people here today. You've been coming to church, and, and, you know, it's great, and we have our moment with God, and maybe there's something that's encouraging that, you know, helps us go into next week. but, But if we're not doing life with others, then we are exposed. And the enemy would love nothing more than to pick us off one by one. When we are together, we grow together. We, we can grow in our gifts. God has wired you. He's made you so uniquely different to everybody else. And you're perfect the way he wants you to be. And your gift is necessary for all of us. I spoke to a lady on a, on a plane just a couple of weeks ago. She said, I don't need church. I said, but maybe church needs you. Maybe we need what you've got. Maybe we need what, what you're carrying, group. But, but the gift that you carry, we haven't seen that yet. I believe God's saying it's time to step up, take a chance. It's a safe place to take a risk, to develop a gift of prophecy or a word of knowledge or, or faith or giving or hospitality. It's, but small groups are where we find safety. Proverbs eleven fourteen it says, For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. You know, don't, don't, don't leave yourself exposed. Make sure you've got people around you that, are, that know what's going on in your world so that they can help you when you're needed. Come on, we're stronger together, right? When I fall down, it's good to know I've got people that will get around me and pick me back up. That's been my experience in the last couple of weeks. Some stuff going on, and, and I had some good friends that have got around me. They know me. They know my world. I'm open. I'm honest with them. They've been able to help me. Come on, we all need that in our life. Second area, small groups are where needs are met. Come on, we've all got needs, whether it be relationally or physical or uh, resource, whatever it is, we've all got different needs. And my question is, do you have a tribe? Got a group of people? Got your small group? 
that are there and know what's going on in your world and can help the relationships. The fellowship becomes a relationship before something very similar happens. So Peter and John are arrested for, for preaching the good news. Um, they, they end up healing a lame man, or Jesus heals a lame man through their preaching and, their, and their, their prayer. And so they're standing before the authorities, and the authorities are looking at this lame man who's no longer lame, and they can't deny that a miracle's taken place, so they can't really do anything more to Peter and John. They can't put them back in prison because then the people will revolt because they'll say there's something powerful about what happened there. And so they don't know what to do, so they kind of give them a slap on the wrist and say, don't preach anymore, yeah? wag the finger at them. But how many people know when you've got good news, you don't shut up? You just keep telling as many people as you can. Come on, you, you know there's people that have got that product that changed their life forever. They, they don't stop. They just keep talking to you about it. Well, how about something that sets us free from sin forever? How about salvation that comes through God alone? I mean, these guys were so passionate about the good news is that they weren't going to stop. And so the people around them were so encouraged by their preaching and their boldness. This is what happened, verse 31 of chapter 4. After they prayed, so they went to prayer. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. So this is the second time. Remember Acts 2, same, same experience. Like a violent rushing wind from heaven. It like shook up the place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, all people, not the people that you would expect, but all people were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. How many people need some of the boldness of the Holy Spirit in their life and their workplace that they could just speak, not Bible bash people, but with love and truth and words that make sense? Come on, we all need some of that in our life. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Listen to this language, one. One, all, all, all shared. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. What a powerful community of people. That those that had need no longer had need because it was met within. Now, I, I, I want to say something about this because it's really important to understand that, that, that sometimes it's, it's not just the selling of your house. It's actually building the greatest business you can ever build so you can employ 300 staff. You've got to understand that is taking what you've got and using it to maximize what God has put in your life so that others will be blessed. Some of us, we don't have the resource necessarily to be able to put money there, but we've got time. We've got skills. We've got abilities. It's taking everything we have, taking a, a gift that you have to bless other people and saying, I'm not keeping this gift for myself. I'm not just going to keep it for me. This gift that's been given to me is so that I can bless other people as well. Fellowship or small groups are essential for us as believers because that's where our needs are met. So often we, we hear the stories of people who are in hospital or pe people that maybe they, um, they had a child and, and, and small groups just rally around. Meals and care and provision. And that's our heart is that, that, that we would care for each other and our needs. Now we don't always get it right. Sometimes we, we, we don't. That's the reality of, of church. That's the reality of community. Sometimes it doesn't happen like we hope it would. But don't pull away, lean in. Keep asking the questions. Keep, keep 
keep moving closer towards relationship rather than pulling away and believe that God's going to, God's got that crew, that, that, that tribe around you, that small group that's going to do life with you. And as the team come this morning, and as I close, I, I want to talk about the third area, and, and I think this is so important for all of us. Small groups are where we think. Anyone struggling with something they wish would go from their life? And you don't need to show hands for that one. I think there's probably all of us, there's something we'd love to get rid of or get free of. Maybe some people, you were in a place where you wanted to get rid of something and, and, and you shared it. You were bold enough to actually come out into the open and say what you're struggling with. I, I believe um, in a small group, that when we're gathering with people that, that truly love us, we need somebody that can give us a hug and we also need somebody that can tell us off. And it can be the same person. You know, I've got people in my world that, that I know they can, they can tell me off, they can correct me, they can, they can bring a correction into my life. And at the end of it, I'm like, hey, they just gave me a really big hug. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out of my life. And if we don't have that, we, we're not truly experiencing koinonia. We're not truly experiencing fellowship the way it should be. Come on, relationship isn't all about the warm fuzzies. It's about truth, it's about love, it's about relationship, it's about walking together, even journeying through the difficult conversations to the place where we say we love each other and we're committed to each other. Truth, like surgery, it hurts, but it's necessary for healing. Come on, we don't enjoy surgery, but if we leave that festering wound, it doesn't get better, barring a miracle. Sometimes we need surgery, and that can be a word of truth someone brings into our life. It's like, oh, that hurts, but it's good. That hurts, but it's going to bring healing. Small groups, where we can be real and honest and open. Come on, we don't have time for, for confessions here on a Sunday morning. Just mine. <laughs> but in small groups, we do. How you doing? Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. No, no, how, how, you, how you really doing? Yeah, pretty lousy, actually. Actually, I've had, I've had a really tough week. How can we help? What can we do? How can we get alongside you? This is the language that you will hear as you're a part of a small group. You know, the enemy would love nothing more than to lock us up in lies and deception and hide our stuff. Matthew 18, 19 to 20, it says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So does that mean if I gather with two or three others and believe that Liverpool's going to win a title, it'll happen? Well, actually, this, this passage, this passage, this passage wasn't talking about I've got a want, I've got a need. Let's pray about it. Let's agree on it together and we'll claim it. This passage was actually talking about fractured relationships. If you read the context of this, this is about unforgiveness. This is about people not getting on with each other. And Jesus says, go, go and make things right. Do whatever you can do to make things right with that person. And if they don't want to agree, if they... If you're not going to find that reconciliation, then go get someone else. Bring a witness in and pray together. Pray together the way Jesus 
taught. So what he said, pray the way I taught you to forgive as you've been forgiven. The Bible's actually really, really clear and really strong, and I can't read it any other way. The only thing that we aren't, can't be forgiven for is unforgiveness. Jesus says, if you don't forgive, my Father won't forgive you. If we find ourselves in a place of unforgiveness, if we find ourselves in a place of offense, we find ourselves in a place that we're not in a relationship with God. So if we find ourselves going, oh, you know, I, I did small groups once, didn't work. It's people that treated me badly. It's probably some offense there. It's probably some unforgiveness. If we're in a place where we're, we're going, no, I don't need it. I don't need relationship. So maybe there's a bit strong. I don't know. I feel like this makes a difference. I feel like relationship, koinonia, means that we have got people in our world that are real and honest with us. And it hurts a little bit, but it's so good for this. James, he's so prescriptive. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So you want healing? You got to confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another, then you get your healing. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's a good promise right there. As a young man, I was, I was ashamed of my struggle with pornography. I've shared this before and I'll probably share it again. I, I couldn't, couldn't work it out. I knew it was wrong, but there was still that lure, that, that pull that, that, that I, I, I couldn't break free. I don't know how many altar calls I went on as a young boy. I don't know how many times I asked God to take it away. But it wasn't until I had a conversation with somebody else and said, you know what, this is a battle, this is a struggle in my life. I don't know how to beat this. He prayed for me. I prayed for him. He was going through a similar battle. Together, we found freedom. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what is too hard in your world. But if, if you don't have somebody walking that journey with you, you probably want another. Then you'll be healed. Three things. Confess your sins. Pray for each other. Then walk in freedom. That's the outcome. When we pray for one another, when we, when we, when we confess our sins, when we pray for one another, we find freedom. That's why God's created small groups for us so that we could walk in freedom. If you're in a small group, can I encourage you? Maybe you've been there, but maybe you've actually just given 80% of yourself. What would it take to, to go that next 20? To go, hey guys, you know what? I've never really, really shared this, but I, I, I just need some help in this particular area. Might be your finances, might be your relationships. Might be something to do with your boss or, or your employees. It, it, it might be something that you're just wrestling with. Maybe a, a scripture that you just don't understand. And you're wrestling with and you've been wrestling with it yourself. Maybe it's time in your small group over these next, next couple of weeks to go, can I just share a little bit more honestly? You watch as your group gets around you. It doesn't condemn you. Let's pray about it. Let's bring this to God. Let's, let's, let's see God bring some breakthrough. That's God's heart for His people. That's God's heart for you. But the only way that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have the power and the strength to do that on my own. Because I'll just chicken out and I'll walk away. 
I, mean, I want to pray right now for anybody who needs a little bit of courage. With every head bowed, eye closed, if that's you, and you need a little bit of courage to step out when it comes to a small group, maybe for the very first time, or maybe you've been, you know, you've been connected, you know, a long time ago, but you pulled away, and God's saying, "Come on, time to step in again." Maybe some of you, it's, it's time to leave. Let's just ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to, to move in us, like He did all of those centuries ago, that this place would be shaken with the power of the Holy Spirit that we would go out and we would live this relationship of koinonia, Holy Spirit-inspired and filled relationships. So Holy Spirit, come. We invite your presence. You are here already, but we, we invite your power, your power to change us, to transform us, to give us courage to walk into relationships that, that maybe have been difficult in the past, to take a chance, Lord, where maybe we've been hurt in the past, that today we would make a, a decision, we would resolve, Lord, to, to get involved in a small group. We'd walk out through these doors into the foyer and sign up. And so I'm going to take a step of faith, God. I'm going to take you at your word. That, Lord, we would see people break through in their relationship and ultimately find freedom. We love you and we thank you. You're patient with us. You're so kind and you're so gracious. Would find their small group. Find that place where they can connect. Jesus' name. With every head bowed, eye closed, I just want to give an invitation to anyone who's far from God. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you've walked with God before, but, but today, honestly, you'd say you're just not right with Him. That can all change with one prayer, one decision to come back to a Heavenly Father that loves you, is aware of the stuff that's going on in your world. He's not surprised by it. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't phase Him but it grieves his heart because all he wants is you to be in a relationship with him. You're asking, well, how does that happen? It's acknowledging the fact that Jesus, God's son, came and lived a perfect life here on earth, died a death he didn't deserve, but, but we deserved. And because of that, when he was raised to life, he became that powerful mediator between us and God. He took the sins, his, our sins on His shoulders so that we could be right with God. And today, He offers you salvation. He offers you a gift of grace, nothing you can earn, but sim simply something you can receive as a gift from heaven. Right? Maybe coming to Him for the very first time, or maybe you've been away and it's time to come back. God's calling you home. I want to pray this prayer, and as a family, we're going to pray it together. And I'm really believing that, that God's going to move in your heart. You're going to find this gift of salvation as God takes you into the most amazing. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I turn from my old way of living and I choose to follow you. Thank you for your gift of grace. I receive it today. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. We, we don't want to embarrass anybody, but we want to help you take your next step. We've got a team that are in a moment going to spot your hand as you pop it up in the air. Like I said, we're not going to embarrass you, but we're going to help you take your next step. If you're here today and you know that uh, that prayer meant something to you and you prayed that in response in faith today. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand quickly? Somebody will spot your hand and we'll, we'll pop it back down again. One, God loves you. Two, got a plan and a purpose for your life. Three. Come on, right across this place. Would you put your hand up? Thank you, sir. Up the back there. Anyone else this morning saying yes? 
Yes, accepting Jesus. Responding to his gift of salvation. Anyone else this morning? Thank you, Lord. Pastor Rex, please come up. Thanks for listening. For information about the church, service times, or your potential next step, jump online at elonchristiancenter.org.nz.